We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast, your home for everything Lakers here. I'm Trevor Lane. We're going to talk a little bit about the Lakers training camp, how things are going so far, what things are looking like, what things are shaping up to look like anyway when they do step on the floor on Monday against the Sacramento Kings to kick off preseason. A lot to dive into there. We've got a mystery injury from last season for Anthony Davis to discuss why his shooting should bounce back. We'll talk about the impact of that. Darvin Ham schemes. I know Sean is really excited to dive into all of that stuff, especially because his rookie got a shout-out from Darvin Ham today. We'll talk a little bit about, uh, about everything else going on in the world of the Lakers. Patrick Beverly's comments, the things that he had to say, uh, what Darvin Ham is looking for, all of that sort of stuff we're going to dive into. Plus, we're going to be taking your questions and comments from everybody coming in live from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. Again, the season is just about upon us. we got preseason play kicking off on Monday. Quick reminder, you can join us for every Lakers game, including the preseason, using the link in our description here for playback. That's where we're going to be broadcasting our own Lakers Nation stream of each game. You can come and hang out with us during the game. We're talking about everything that's going on and breaking it down while we chat with you, take your questions and comments. If you're listening to the Apple podcast version of this, or if you're over on Spotify, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed there. Give us that five-star rating and review as well. goes a long way helping with our rankings and, and all of that. So really appreciate it. Heck, even if you're listening to the video version or watching the video version right now, go over to Apple podcast, just hit that subscribe button. Definitely helps us out. All right, lots to talk about, lots to get into. Joining me tonight, Sean Spaces David. Sean, how are you doing? I'm pumped and ready for the season to start. Oh, yeah, I'm so pumped, man. I came back from coaching not too long ago, and I, I immediately am thinking about defense from leaving coaching, and then you sent me a message about 80s quote, and he talks about what they're going to be having him do. I'm like, okay, that is confusing again. Yeah, to show you guys how pumped I am, Darvin Ham is a coach the game yet, and this is so much bad podcasting. But on the YouTube video, my name is I Love Darvin Ham. I so, just uh, noticed that. Yeah, it's <laughs> I Love Darvin Ham. So you are so thrilled with what Darvin Ham is talking about in training camp that you are back to just your complete and unabashed love for Darvin Ham. Yeah, man, I'm trying to find more walls to break. I can't break that one because my AD jersey is framed right there. So I'd rather not break that wall but yeah man if you have any open walls in your house trevor you know you can lend those to me i, I greatly appreciate it. any walls that i haven't run through already by listening to darvin ham speak you mean dang it yeah yeah that's that's definitely happened uh whoa i even z with a 50 dollars super chat thank you wow. very much for, for that said if we keep our cap space we can get two maybe three of grants i'll do the whole list here but jeremy grant i think the 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 uh, the Blazers are going to keep him. Uh, Barnes, Curry, Turner, Wiggins, Boyan, Woods, Beasley, Kuzma. I think it's worth the wait. I think you're looking at best case getting two of those guys. Best case, and then you've got a team of LeBron, AD, and two of those guys: Harrison Barnes and Seth Curry, and then everybody else on your team, with the exception of like one player you could use the room exception for. Um, 
and they're all minimum guys. And then then you got to figure out, okay, what do we do with Austin Reeves? What are we doing with some of these other guys too? Max Christie, is that contract still in the books? What do they do with that first round pick? So that in and of itself, logistically, getting two of those guys may even be difficult. Three, I think, is a real stretch. And then how many of these guys will sign extensions before then? This list, I can I can just about guarantee you that at least a few of these guys on this list will not be free agents this year because they'll come to agreements with their teams. They'll come to an extension and they won't really be there. So I don't mean to burst your bubble. I'm not trying to bring negativity here. I don't want to be the, the rain cloud coming in or anything, but I think it's unlikely that they get three of those guys. I think it's unlikely that most of those guys are all, that, that entire list is available. I think best case, best case, you're getting two of those guys. Hater, no, I agree. And just based off looking at this list, I think you can almost immediately take off Jeremy Grant and Andrew Wiggins at the very least. Um, because I, I think Golden State be foolish not to just bring Wiggs, Wiggins back, especially how pivotal a role he's been as a uh, wing defensive stopper defensively and the scoring punch he provides as well. Um, like the only ones I really see, like for sure, walking is Miles Turner and maybe Bojan, but. That's because Bojan's in Detroit, and Miles Turner. It feels like his days as has it as it has been reported that his days in Indiana are numbered. Um, but I could see a scenario where every other guy on this list goes back to their team that they uh, are currently on. Is that likely? No, but um, you know you got to be optimistic with some of these. It'd be nice to bring Kuz back though. But I think Washington would have to take a U-turn and do what they I think they should have done and just blew it all up this season instead of paying Bradley Beal. So it seems like who's going to go back there, unfortunately. We'll, we'll see what ultimately happens. A lot can happen between now and the summer, yeah. but in any event, all right, let's, let's get into this. So I know you're excited to talk about it, Sean. So I want to get into something Anthony Davis said, actually two things Anthony Davis said. First he talks about, and this is one of those instances where you can see, uh, the guys who are there, like Daniel Starkand is our editor extraordinaire. He was here actually filming this. You can see where everybody kind of reacts a little bit, but tries not to react when Anthony Davis starts talking about this mystery injury that nobody had heard about from last season. And then he gets into defensively what he's being asked to do. And I know you're excited about this, Sean. So here's what Anthony Davis had to say after practice number one today. That's right. Two practices today for the Lakers. No practice tomorrow, though. They did announce just a little bit ago. No practice tomorrow. So today is a two-a-day. But here's what AD said. Um, a lot of people don't know this, but since January, I was battling a wrist injury the whole year, you know. So it was affecting my shot and everything. It's not an excuse, but, um, you know, it was tough for me to shoot how I wanted to shoot. That's really follow through. Um, but, like I said, I'm, I'm 100% healthy. I feel great. Um, you guys guys around here. I'm trying to transition to not hoping as much, um, letting the guys on the ball uh, do their thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm, if I see somebody come to the basket, it's instinctual for me to just go in and try to block the shot. Where in this case, you know, he told me several times, right? Hey, no, that's not you. And he's just like, damn, like, I'm so used to, you know, especially being a big. Um, so that's kind of been the biggest thing, you know, staying out of place um, when it's not my time. Whoa. Okay. So two things to, to get into there. The defensive assignment sounds way different than what we've seen out of Anthony Davis in the past. I actually have a few concerns about that. So I'm hoping that you can ease those fears, Sean. But before we get to that, Anthony Davis reveals that back in January, he injured his wrist. This is the first we're hearing of this. 
says that it was painful for him to follow through on his jump shot. He shot 19% from three, and I'm rounding up to get there. Last season, we all asked over and over again, what is going on with AD? Why is he shooting so poorly? Why is he hesitant to shoot from behind the three-point line? This is the guy who couldn't miss in the bubble. He uh, His efficiency got just torched by his threes and his long twos last season. In fact, it was so bad that the Lakers, in terms of points per shot attempt, were better with Anthony Davis off the floor, offensively, I'm saying, than on. Now, his defense made up for that. He was still a net positive because his defense was so good. But on the offensive end, they scored more without Anthony Davis being on the floor. That's how rough of a season it was shooting. And now, here we are. It's almost October, and we're just now finding out that he had an injury that was lingering through the entire year that caused pain every time he tried to follow through. John, I I don't know why this is just coming out now or that it just comes off kind of like a like, almost like an aside here from Anthony Davis, but my look it explains so much if that's really what this was was an injury if that explains what was going on with Anthony Davis's shooting. That actually gives me optimism that we're going to see a bounce back from him. Yeah, I feel like the timing is a little bit weird. I feel like this is something that could have been said at his uh, exit interview. Uh, I'm not sure right. where you know it would have been brought up, but um, and like you said, I think it, it, it does make some sense. I think the chat's going to mention that it might have been the Philly game or um, when uh, the injury happened against the Jazz, but the timeline would be off there. But no, like how he described the injury makes a ton of sense. It's so crucial as a shooter to fall through with your your shot and be able to flick your wrist and hold it. Um, and I can imagine, like, if you're dealing with a wrist issue, but also I'm, I'm not a doctor. I'm trying to think what would be, like, tendonitis. Like, what would the injury be to prolong from January to the end of the season? Um, so, you know, that that's interesting for sure. There's some details I'm curious to find out about. But, I mean, if it really did linger from January to April, it makes a ton of sense. Um I'm not sure if it's 19% makes sense, but I think yeah. it's uh, I think it is uh, a lot better than 19%, and it does make some sense. If it really was bothered though, like it wasn't, it wasn't so pronounced where we noticed it. Because let's face it, there's so many people watching the Lakers, so many basketball experts watching the Lakers. Somebody would have noticed if Anthony Davis just was not following through at all. He clearly had some kind of follow through, but. This was apparently enough to bother his shot anyway. He yeah. said he's shooting it well now and he's taking those shots and and he's been knocking them in. So hopefully there is a bounce back from Anthony Davis and hopefully last season was just an outlier and was more injury related than anything else. I agree with you. I don't know if that can account for the full 19% from three, but we'll see. Again, I hope he's right. And people say, well, it's excuses or whatever. I don't really care. I, I, I want to know, is he going to be able to make them this season? And if that was really the problem last season and he's 100% healthy now and that's telling us that he's going to uh, play much better this season, then that's great. That's a positive. That's something that, that we want to hear. But the second part of that about the defensive schemes, part of what makes Anthony Davis great is if you put him in pick and roll, he can switch onto the guard and he can stick with them, right? He can do that. He can be the guy that can come flying across the floor and block a shot from the weak side because he's got endless arms and he's quick like that. He's saying that Darvin Ham essentially has him in drop coverage. Now, Darvin Ham called it center field, but it's drop coverage. And Darvin Ham is telling him that's not your job when Anthony Davis is going over to erase shots that are allowed by teammates. To me, on the surface... That sounds like you're taking away some of what makes Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis. Sean, what am I missing here? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right. And I had to watch that clip from AD. That was like the fourth time you just watched. You just, uh, that I've watched the clip. And each time progressively, it's starting to make more and more sense. And my response is you're basically getting the Bucks defense. Whereas I'm going to pull up a diagram here. Uh, what the Bucks do so well, but it has its flaws, is the Bucks funnel everything towards the basket. So basically, like if you're in a pick and roll situation here, um, so just focus on this first part of the first portion of the screen. You go with a pick and roll here where the one's coming off. You are ba- and you're basically just driving this in here. And AD, he's X5. And you have this first guard, the player that's guarding the ball handler. He's trying to fight over. AD is so heavily in the drop. And you're basically letting them go towards Anthony Davis. And how they play off the ball is they're going to have uh, they're going to be funneling everything towards the basket anyway. And they're going to basically have the second priority be contest on closeouts and contest on shooters. They aren't as worried about the three-point shot as much as, hey, we want to you know make sure they do not get a clean, wide-open look at the rim. We're going to have – we're going to play drop and play AD back in ball screens and make them go towards him and force – and what Darwin said when he said middle field and basically like Trevor just mentioned, I kind of mini ranted on Twitter that he just described drop and actually Sky laughed at the message I sent. Um, they want you to shoot a shot somewhere around this area of the floor where this red, where this is not red, this uh, yellow circle is. That's where they want you to take a shot at this mid, this free throw line uh, extended area. That's where they want you to take shots A mid range jumper. is easily the worst shot in basketball. Uh, the best shots are at the rim and in the corner. Um, they want to try their best, especially at the rim. They want to lower that percentage of uh, shots allowed at the rim. So this makes a ton of sense. And then even off ball, which AD kind of talked about there at the end, um, where they want him to not be the eraser at the rim. And even if he's off the ball, just abandon this guy and go uh, just take shots off the glass. Um like I kind of just showed there, they're going to funnel everything in towards the basket anyway. So ideally, let's say it's Luka Doncic or somebody else, you know, they're driving towards the basket. He's going into three, two, three bodies at the rim anyway. You're going to force him to make a tough kickout pass. So if AD's not that first line of defense on the help, if he's like your second or third line of defense for help, you don't want him to leave because you're already technically having – uh, the guy guarding the, the corner, the ball side corner, he's leaving to help. And now AD has to guard two guys. So right. uh, it's kind of what I've anticipated, having AD be the Draymond defensively and have him be a free safety, basically seeing everything off the ball and having some more uh, responsibility. So um, I I wasn't as sure. And like you mentioned, there's definitely some skepticism there because like you said, Trevor, part of what makes AD special is that you can legitimately switch one through five and have AD guard a smaller wing or even a guard in some instances. But I think this takes some of the load off of AD defensively. And I think this allows, this still does allow AD to be a monster. Cause like I said, you're basically sending opposing players to you. You are sending them to towards Anthony Davis, towards the basket or towards Damian Jones or towards Thomas Bryant plus help. So um, I think Darwin had a nugget in his media day. Sorry about ranting here, but Darwin had a quote in his media day about being an elite defensive team. Slowly but surely, I'm starting to buy into it a little bit and thinking this is going to be a really, really good defensive team. Um, so I'm excited, man. I'm really, really excited. Well, I think they're going to need to be. Based on the personnel on this team, they're going to need to be a very, very good defensive team in order to get by. Um, Darwin did mention that they were going to have different coverages, just that that's right. kind of their, their go-to is going to be drop coverage, essentially. Again, not the term that he uses, but that's essentially what he's talking about. Um, But he did mention, you know, that Anthony Davis can switch and all that, because my initial thought was, oh my gosh, if you're putting AD in drop coverage every, every, you know, 
opening night, Steph Curry's going to go for 60, right? If you're a drop card, he's just going to walk into threes all game. He's going to come off a screen and just bombs away. Obviously, the Lakers will make adjustments there. So I don't think we're going to see that scheme every single time. But for certain situations, I think that is going to be kind of their default. And then they'll adjust as things go from there. And we'll see how Anthony Davis adjusts adjust because, as he mentioned, it's not what he's used to. It's not the role that he's used to playing. And his natural instinct is not to do the things that Darvin Ham is asking him to do or to do things that Darvin Ham's not asking him to do, I should say, because he wants to go and clean everything up and be that eraser, as you called it. And Darvin Ham's telling him no. So that's going to be something interesting to watch how that process develops. How quickly does Anthony Davis pick up on what his responsibilities are defensively and what they aren't as well? Because it sounds like from what he's saying, what Darvin Ham has said, what his responsibilities aren't are going to matter a lot, a lot in the overall success of uh, of this defense. Yeah, really, really quickly. Uh, a lot of people are like kind of worried about Golden State now. I mean, granted, you did just mention it, but people are talking about like how Boston idiotically ran drop against Steph. I think yeah. the versions of the drop were different. Um, and hopefully I'll get to do a Scotty report on Golden State. Eyes emoji before that first game. But um, yeah, I'm like I said, there's only two teams in the West that come a playoff series actually scare me, and Golden State is not one of them. I think we match up really, really well with them. All right. Well, we'll find out on uh, an opening night. Allen says, is a healthy nun greater than Austin Reeves or Lonnie? Kendrick Nunn has said he's healthy. Kendrick Nunn has said he's 100%. In fact, he said he's better than 100%. He said he is. He feels better than he did right before he got injured last season. Like That's how good he feels right now, so that's great. If the Lakers are getting top-tier, 100% healthy, ready to roll Kendrick Nunn, is that player better than Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker? Yeah. I think that player is also more proven than Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker. I think that player is a better shooter than Austin Reeves and Lonnie Walker. Um, yeah, I, I think, I, I think recency bias is a heck of a drug and we just haven't seen Austin, uh, not Austin, Kendrick Nunn play, but when Kendrick's healthy, Kendrick's awesome. Yeah. I mean, Kendrick Nunn, 15 point per game score for the Miami heat, 38% from three, he can get it done, but again, got to see him healthy. Got to see him healthy. We'll get our first opportunity to do so, uh, coming up on Monday. That's going to be against Sacramento Kings. Then the Lakers head out to Vegas for two games, one against the Suns and one against the Wolves. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to go head out there and be uh, in studio for a bit uh, there. So that should be a, a good time. Um, I'm ready for that. Uh, Rye Guy said, we need this indie deal. Media day was weird. We don't want to hear about wrist injuries. Uh, Beverly is a wing. Eight guards is smart. Blah, blah. Two firsts is worth it. What do you, I mean, I'm on board with the Indiana deal. I I think I understand what the Lakers are doing though, but I don't I don't know that media day was necessarily all that weird. Every team tries to spin everything positively. It's a pretty normal media day to me. Yeah, absolutely. And like we said, uh, post media day Monday night, it's a whole lot of rah rah like typical media day talk. That's media day. Um, yeah. Now, I, I think you got a little bit more content out of it than you usually would from the Lakers, the Suns, sure. the Celtics, the Nets, uh, the Raptors to a certain extent. But, um, yeah, I mean, and I do agree. I think this team could be really, really – I think this team has a lot less question marks. I'll just go with that if you do a Pacers trade. Um, but at this point, I'm bought in with this team, man. Let's go. I'm bought in. Yeah, I mean, the team makes more sense. Yeah. If you do this deal and you get Miles Turner, you get Buddy Heald – uh, it unlocks some things in, in your offense. It unlocks, actually, on both sides of the floor, it unlocks some things. It allows guys to play their more natural positions, gets rid of the log jam at the guard position, and all of that. Um, but also say this, when people look at this move and they say the Lakers are being overly cautious, I've kind of come around to this notion that the Lakers are being the Lakers here by not making this move yet. And when you, you look, mean by Lakers being the Lakers, they're waiting for an all-star to pop up. I mean, the Lakers are gambling. And Truth. if you think about what they've done in the past, they've gambled and won. They traded the pieces that they needed to in order to clear cap space to get Shaq, right? 
trading away Vlade, trading away other pieces, George Lynch, Anthony Peeler, guys like that. They cleared the cap space to get Shaq before knowing whether or not they actually had him. They gambled. If it didn't pay off for them, it was going to look really, really bad. And they knew that. But they said, this is worth the risk. They gambled. They went for it. There were other players they could have drafted instead of Magic Johnson. They already had a point guard. They had Norm Nixon. They gambled on the talent that Magic Johnson possessed. People look at this team and say, what would Jerry Buss do? I don't know for sure that Jerry Buss wouldn't say in this situation, let's roll the dice here. Let's see. Yeah, we can get Miles Turner and Buddy Heald right now. But can't we also get those guys in two or three weeks if things are really falling apart? Isn't that deal going to still be there? Now, maybe some team swoops in and gives the pace for something for Miles Turner. But most likely, that deal's still going to be on the table in three weeks or four weeks or whatever. Now, hopefully the Lakers tread water during that time, and hopefully things go well. But in the meantime, what if something better comes along? What if that right move comes along, that superstar move, that Kyrie-level move comes along? The Lakers are rolling the dice in the event that that happens, hoping to see that happen, that level of player. If they're going to give up both those picks, that's what they want. That's the kind of difference maker they want. And they're taking the gamble that worst case, that deal, Buddy Heald, Miles Turner, whatever it is, that deal or a deal of that caliber will be there for them now. It'll be there for them a month from now, two months from now, whatever. But they're also giving themselves the opportunity to take that home run swing. So this is very much a gamble and it may not pay off. But isn't gambling for a high-level player what the Lakers are all about? Yeah. And uh, that was a spectacular monologue that needs to be in your substack. I'm cheat. I'm plugging your own substack. And, <laughs> and, and, and you know what? Just put that in front of a future Lakers documentary. Just take that you know, two-minute clip out from Trevor's monologue and just post in the documentary somewhere. Well, I appreciate the uh, the stuff the Substack shout out. Yes, I did launch my Substack today where I'll talk a little bit about Lakers, but I'm also going to talk about the sports world in general, the NBA, sports media, kind of how everything works. I want to peel back the curtain just a little bit if any of you guys want to uh, check it out. Uh, trevorlane.substack.com is where you can find that. Free to subscribe. There are going to be some paid posts on there, but uh, right now there's one up. And uh, that was totally free. So you guys can go check that out again. Trevorlane.substack.com. I started in writing. That was how I got into this business was, was with writing and starting my own kind of blog and all that. I'm still doing all the Lakers Nation stuff in front office and all that. But this just kind of feels like coming full circle and, and kind of doing my own thing uh, writing wise. So anyway, check it out. Trevorlane.substack.com. Uh, Tony PR. Is it front office malpractice to let Russ Walk in the offseason. Let him walk. Darwin's offensive scheme, uh, will it work for the bench unit and is a healthy none good enough? Uh, hel is healthy none being good? Does that create issues? Okay, in terms of log jam and all that. Uh, malpractice to let him walk? No. I don't see that. I get what he's saying, though. Like malpractice in the sense that you could have got something for him. Oh, but, you could have used the contract, but you're gonna get cap space if you let him walk. It's not like you're. It's not like you're sixty million over the cap. So losing Russ's forty-seven million means you still have no money to spend. In this scenario, letting Russ walk equals some money, whether it's twenty-five million, whatever it comes out to be, it's some money to spend. Right. So that's a that's a factor, but but I get what he's saying too, like. If you can get $47 million worth of contracts and there's guys and those are guys who are worth those contracts, you might be better off using him in a trade as an expiring deal. Yeah. Uh, Sean, again, you 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 love Darvin Ham. Does his offensive scheme work for the bench unit? And I need to throw this in. The blue boxes. Tell me about those. We've seen them all over the court. The pictures of them. I know it has to do with their offensive execution, particularly in transition. What is happening there, and does this work for the bench? Okay, in terms of the blue boxes and more an in-depth analysis of those, I'm actually so stoked you brought that up. Daniel, I hit him up first thing in the morning when I came in. He, like, take, like, a video or some pictures of them for me. 
Um, I'll do a video on the channel probably tomorrow covering that uh, more in depth and the spacing. But um, yeah, man, I really do think the the scheme works. I I think so to not go on a quick tangent here, but Darvin Ham's scheme is obviously very much uh, derived from Coach Boonholzer's scheme, who, by the way, I think we crap on him a lot. But in terms of just his basketball mind is a top five basketball mind in the NBA in terms of head coaches, in my opinion. Um, and Coach Boonholzer is a great Popovich disciple. So you follow the coaching tree and Coach Pop runs a four out one in driving kick motion, which obviously is twirled up and spin and shaped differently, but it's very, very similar. And the concepts are so much similar. Um, so long story short, yes, it will work for the bench because like with Pop and like with Milwaukee, with Coach Bud and Atlanta with Coach Bud, it almost felt like it doesn't matter who's on the floor. It's you're not going to lose much, right? Or like the offense. And I think that's the biggest thing we're going to see this year where last season it felt like, okay, LeBron's on the floor. We're not creating offense. I feel like for the first time for LeBron since he had Ty Lue in Cleveland, the offense is going to one create for him and the offense is going to be created for everybody. Even when LeBron's on the floor. That, that's, that is something that was reiterated. I believe it was by Darvin Ham. I think Anthony Davis said something about this as well, that essentially in Darvin Ham's system, the posi- it's positionless. The positions do not matter. Yeah. We're going to see before the game, this player's the point guard. This is the shooting guard, small forward, and all of that. In Darvin Ham's system, it doesn't matter. They're all interchangeable. Anthony Davis talked about how the big's going to have the ball. So you might have a point guard in the dunker spot. All of those things can happen. He mentioned that you could have Scottie Pippen Jr., the smallest player on the floor, who, by the way, Darvin Ham praised today. Um, you could have him wind up in the dunker spot. It's all interchangeable, and every player is able to take on all the different responsibilities. I can't wait to see how that plays out. Um I've been Hell, saying that though, like Drew Holiday. There's so much film of Drew Holiday in the dunker spot. Yeah, like Holiday played the dunker spot a lot. Giannis, obviously, Middleton, Lopez, Bobby Portis. By the way, dunker spot also stretches out to the short corner, which again I'll talk about tomorrow. But um, yeah, it's a very interchangeable offense. And the chat saying I look excited. You on right? I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, healthy none is he good enough to create issues? Yeah, I mean, good issues. It's a good problem to have when you have good yeah. players, when you've got depth at a position. Healthy none is very much good enough to earn minutes and create uh, a minutes logjam, which again, it's a problem, but it's a good problem to have. Uh, all right, this is kind of a uh, cap related. This is my world here. Uh, if Dennis plays extremely well, how much can the Lakers pay him and for how long? Okay. Let's say Dennis Schroeder plays extremely well. In theory, if the Lakers have $25 billion in cap space and Dennis Schroeder somehow morphed into an MVP caliber player, the Lakers could say, Dennis Schroeder, here's $25 million. They could pay him that. He's been in the league long enough. He would qualify for that and more on a max salary. Now, assuming they are not going to sign him to a max salary, you're still going into cap space. You don't have like full bird rights or anything like that on Dennis Schroeder. So it's not like you can go all the way up to the cap and then exceed the cap to sign him uh, because, again, you don't have those those bird rights on him. And that's the situation the Lakers are in uh, with most of their players. When you look at Lonnie Walker, Troy Brown Jr., Juan Toscano-Anderson, Thomas Bryant, a heck, even Damian Jones has a player option, but still, if he declines that player option, he's also a one-year expiring deal. All of these guys, no bird rights, which means if they play well, it's this is why Eric Pincus calls this a lose-lose situation, where if they play well, then they're going to get paid more next season, and most likely the Lakers aren't going to be able to afford them, and they're gone. If they don't play well, then the Lakers aren't going to want to keep them, and they're gone. It's the Malik Monk situation all over again with all of these guys, and Dennis Schroeder would be included in that mix. Yeah. Dynamite follow-up there. Yeah. Analysis. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that. Yes. but that's essentially, that is what has happened here. Um, with the Lakers. And that's why I was hoping to see them sign guys for multi-year deals that were team-friendly. Easier said than done. But it's it's that's the downside to this. Is no, Hey, if Troy Brown Jr. proves to be a great fit, by the way, dealing with an injury right now, I don't know if we're going to see him on Monday or not. We'll have to wait and see. He was getting some threes up in practice today, but no contact yet. I would imagine they'd probably play it safe with him. But let's say Troy Brown Jr. is great and turns into a 3-and-D Guy that the guy that we've been looking for, he's gone. 
unless you want to dip in, in, into that cap space to pay him. Really quick, somebody just mentioned this in the chat. We keep Kendrick Nunn. We'd have his early bird rights, right? Yeah. Yep. And so you'd have the ability to pay to pay him a bit more. And uh, and hang on, because he's got two years uh, under contract. And what, you'd be able to pay him up to, what, 13 mil a year? Something like that? Uh, I gotta go. I'd have to go double check and see what they could do there because it's. It's. I think it's a percentage of the previous year's salary, gotcha, or a portion of the mid-level exception, whichever is higher. But I'll have to go back and double check that. I haven't looked at all my cap stuff since the beginning of July in terms of signings and stuff because uh, that's when most of that took place. Uh, Babacan said we need to see none healthy along with Braun and AD being at least eighty to ninety percent. Russ will have to figure out his role with the team under Coach Ham. I'm excited with the new additions to the roster. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, I'm fully locked in on the team now. Um, I personally exited the trade stage, trades, the trades uh, section of my brain, exited stage left, uh, about to start September. So, yeah, I'm excited, man. Laker basketball starts in four days. Well, on the East Coast anyway. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Have you ever been in a situation where you've been stuck focusing on your problems instead of solutions? We see it all the time when we're talking to fans about their roster, trades they've made in the past. People get stuck focused on what it is that went wrong rather than how to make things better. It can be tough to train your brain to be in problem-solving mode when faced with a challenge in life, but just as in sports and in our regular life, it is important that you do have that mindset of finding solutions and not getting stuck with your problems. How can your team dig themselves out of the hole that they've put themselves in? What moves can they make? What can you do in your life to make things better? Well, a therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. In this day and age where mental health is being pushed to the forefront, it's so important that you take the time to take care of yourself. Therapy can be a great way to unload stress, to have emotional healing, and to help with anxiety and depression. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, affordable, and entirely online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey and switch therapists at any time. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LakersNation today to get 10% off your first month. Um, all right, so I, I just pulled this up so we have uh, the correct info here. In terms of early bird rights, a uh, team may re-sign its own free agent to a contract with a first-year salary of up to the greater of 100%, 75% of the player's salary the last season of the contract or 105% of the average player's salary for the prior season. So they could they could give him a decent raise on what he's doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they could get him up to, um, they could get him up to probably just a bit over that that taxpayer mid level. That's what you what you could get to. Okay. If you're if you're Kendrick Dunn, you'd be getting pretty close to that. Yeah, yeah, man. I I think at this point, unless you're getting him in a big time trade, I and I hope he plays well. Bring him back. You know, like keep them around, uh, you know, go make the other signings and then use your early bird rights on them. But, you know, I, I, I love to see Kendrick Nunn stick around, especially under Coach Ham. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, I mean, if he comes back and he's healthy, you know, it was a it was a rough go for him to sit out all of last season. You know, people give him so much grief. Uh, even in the comments section, there was a video that the Lakers put out today, a highlight video where Kendrick Nunn was making a pass at the beginning of it. And so many people were commenting and just saying negative things about him for sitting out as though he wanted to be hurt for the whole season. As though he just decided that in a contract year with millions of dollars on the line, he decided he wanted to not be able to play basketball. It's not his fault. The guy wants to be on the floor. Can you imagine how frustrating that would be to be watching your team not succeed? Clearly, they need you out there. And to not be able to do that, I feel for Kendrick Nunn. I'm not mad at Kendrick. If he, there was any way he could be on the floor, he would have been. Yeah, it's, it's just so unfortunate. Like you said, Trevor, that's like, it's like a doctor who spent all that time 
right? Training and be a doctor, going through medical school, and they have an injury that prevents them being able to do their job. You think they're just going to be like, oh, you know what? Whoop de do. I spent all this time training and trying to be a doctor. I don't want to be a doctor. I'm not going to, you know, go make money and do my job that I've trained so hard to do over my life. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's a yeah. bad comparison, but. Yeah, right. It would be like someone getting a four-year degree in history and then getting a credential, spending <laughs> another year doing that so they could teach history and then ending up not teaching history, right? Completely like that. <laughs> um, we do have, and I am just going to uh, make your night here, Sean. Darvin Ham. This is Darvin Ham after practice today talking about who is shooting well. People were asking him who's playing well. Here's what Darvin Ham said. Has anyone stood out from a shooting perspective? Is someone that you're confident with, with the additional spacing now? Hey, Brian shot it well. Uh, Russ shot it well yesterday. Uh, well, our rookie, we have a really, really good rookie, Max Christie, shooting the ball well. Uh, we can't wait to get these other guys in the fold. Uh, Pat Bev has shot it well. Uh, Kendrick Nunn, Scotty Pippen Jr. has been amazing. Uh, so it's, 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 it's been, it's been fun to watch different guys emerge in different ways. Okay. I got to admit when he said we have a rookie and there was a little pause, I was waiting for him to say Cole Swider, the amazing Swider man, Cole sniper, whatever you want to call him. I just, in my mind, he was, that's what he was going to say. And then he said, Max Christie. Now I don't, him omitting any player from that list, I don't look at that and say, oh my gosh, that means that guy's not shooting well. This is a you know shooting from the hip situation. He's just asked, hey, name some guys who are shooting well. He rattled off a few. But it's interesting, and I think a good sign that Max Christie was among them. He also mentioned Russell Westbrook shooting well. If you saw the clip going around from the first day of practice, there was actually a shooting game that was being played between Russ, LeBron, and AD. LeBron lost. Russ was hitting his corner threes once again. Hopefully that's something that continues. But Sean, Max Christie shooting well in practice, struggled mightily shooting the ball in summer league. That's a good sign that he's put in the work between summer league and now and is feeling pretty comfortable out there or at least comfortable for a rookie. <sighs> it's, it's just practice. So I'm not going to say I told you so. I'm, I am going to say, I told you so, to not overreact to freaking Summer League. Like I said in my uh, analysis, my film breakdown, per Max Christie uh, coming out of college, right? The shooting percentage, especially towards the end of the season, was not there. But um, Christie, the mechanics were there, and I felt like it was just going to be more of a uh, repetition thing. And like getting the reps and staying in the gym, being a gym freak. And again, you know, it's it's practice, but I think it's so encouraging. And you can tell you, I think it looks like he's built, he's put on muscle as well, yes. just from some pictures. And I think that's so encouraging that he's really uh, worked on his shot and worked on adding muscle. The defense is already there. And I think right now he could really contribute on the defensive end of the floor, especially with some of the things Darvinham wants to do. Um, it'd be nice to see it translate in games. Um, and again, I'm, I, I was trying to impede on people. I think impede's the wrong word, but like beg people to not overreact to some of the games because there's a bunch of great players. Uh, not saying he is Jamal Murray, but like Jamal Murray played terrible in summer league in his first half of his rookie season. But look at him now; he's an all-star caliber player. Again, not saying he's that. Max Christie will be that, but um, yeah, think some things take time, and uh, yeah, it, it is really, really encouraging. It's uh, not just for for Christie. It's really encouraging that Russ is shooting the ball well. Yeah. Obviously, LeBron shooting the ball well. Um, Swider man is awesome as always. So, uh, yeah, man, it's it's awesome. It's it's really really good to hear these guys shooting the ball well. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that they're going to need because we know that. I mean, in terms of averages, they don't have that many great shooters on the roster, if any, really. But if guys do improve, that can go a long way towards making up for that deficiency. Uh, sent by NFT. Pick one. Russ in a first-round pick and two seconds for Boyan, Burks, and Noel. So doing a deal with the Pistons. Russ and two firsts for Turner and Heald. I simply don't believe Russ is here to stay. Um, I'm so enamored with a Turner AD defense. It's so risky, though, injury-wise. 
but I think I lean towards the latter, giving up both firsts and getting the higher ceiling. I don't know that Nerland's Noel offers that same sort of thing. Like in Burks and Noel, you're getting kind of poor man's version of Turner in a way of Turner and, and healed. And then you're getting Boyan in the mix. So I understand the appeal, but I probably do the Pacers deal. I also probably do the Pacers deal. No, Noel, like you mentioned, does really interest me. So I'm, from my vantage point, I'm trading Russ in a first plus two seconds for Bojan and Burks. Eh. Um, like you said, just go get the upside or the higher upside and the two better players in, in Turner and Heald. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> this is a great username here. Uh, how do you guys feel about an all-tall lineup? The 2020 team really wreaked, wreaked havoc because of our size, and I feel like we're going away from that strategy. So... What do we think there? An all-tall lineup. But what would that be? That would be your point guard would be Austin Reeves. You'd run Austin Reeves at the one. LeBron and AD would be on the floor. Throw out Thomas Bryant as well. And then who's your nominal two that's got some size? I guess you could, I mean, JTA, that's probably stretching. Troy Brown Jr. maybe, who's 6'6". Wait, what was the lineup? Your... The lineup in my head was Reeves, like Troy Brown, JTA, LeBron, AD. Yeah, sure. You could you could go with that too. That's that's even switchier than the one that I that I explained with like a Thomas Bryant or someone at center. Um, yeah, I don't. I think you would be kind of forcing it, whereas that previous Lakers team in 2020 just naturally had that size. I mean, like one of their smaller guys was KCP, and he was six five. Um, they just had size at each position, whereas with this team you have to make a concerted effort to play that big lineup. I would prefer, obviously, to see a bigger lineup out there, a strong, you know, that that championship team was bigger, stronger, faster than, than yeah. their opponents. Would love to see that again, but I think you really have to force things in order to get to that point, and you're probably sacrificing some other things in terms of overall quality and talent when you do that because you're talking about benching Russ and Kendrick Nunn and Dennis Schroeder and all of the smaller guys. And so I think you do lose something there. Yeah, for sure. Um, man, that's, that's an all time name, but yeah, like, like, like you've always said in the past, Trevor, that the Lakers with that title team kind of stumbled their way into like the new way teams are being built in the NBA, where it's a two-star model with all the wings and like just bigger, faster, more athletic than you, right? Um, they they stumbled into that. So um, like, look at the Raptors. I'm sorry that I'm, I'm I guess I'm showing my bias here, but that's the first thing to pop to mind. They can literally they literally ran in lineup last year where like I think it's like six six and higher, whereas like Gary Trent, OG, Scotty, Pascal, Preston Chuba, like that's insane. And I think the Lakers stumbled into uh, the, the that wave of the nba that we're currently in people talk about small ball it's not really about playing small it's about skill yeah it's about skill if you have a bunch of guys who are six eight and can all dribble and shoot and defend and switch and, and do all that stuff that's what you want that it's not it's not hey let's get as many six foot tall players as we can and put them on the floor and suddenly that's the new wave no it's about skill it's about skill and having and having that on the floor and if you have guys who are bigger that also have skill, even better. Because in basketball, that kind of thing doesn't matter. Bomba mentality, any new standouts, news on standouts in training camp? Yeah, so we had, um, there was a little bit of news coming from uh, from Darvin Ham today and Patrick Beverly as well. Patrick Beverly said that he could, uh, that he won most of the games. And I don't think he was playing with the starters because Darvin mentioned that they hadn't played Russell Westbrook and Patrick Beverly together yet. Um, Anthony Davis mentioned that the starters got their butts kicked and there was a team with Scottie Pippen Jr. on it and he went off on them, apparently. So, yeah, sounds like the bench unit has been doing really well and gave the starters more than they could handle. The starters included LeBron, AD, and Russ. Darvin has refused to say who the other two were, though. And he has said that they're going to be rotating those guys through, trying to figure that out. 
Yeah, and uh, actually, there's a comment as you were finishing that statement. It's like the B team has something to prove. I, I I agree. I think a lot of the guys on this roster, which is why I think you have to have a sense of optimism. There's a lot of guys on this team have something to prove, man, where I don't think you could say the same about last year's team because I think a lot of last year's guys, there are a few, like Austin, Malik, obviously, but first to come to mind. But last year's team had a lot of guys that were already proven vets, and regardless of how last season went for them, they're – uh legacy in, in the NBA was already solidified. This year you have a lot of unproven guys. So it, it's great to hear that the, the second unit is playing really, really well. And please don't overreact to the second unit really playing well against the first team and even beating, winning a lot against the first team. Please don't overreact to that. That that kind of stuff happens in practice. That's yeah, that's the way. It doesn't mean that the starters are, hor- are horrible or anything like that. I saw a lot of people commenting on online saying, saying, well, yeah. of course they did. Russ was on the floor, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But I, I wouldn't run, I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, Verdun, Verdun Music Group said, since the Thunder, we're talking about trading SGA, Russ, a first-round pick for SGA, Baszler and Favors, or do you want the Pacers trade? The Thunder, they're going to get way more. Way they more. are they are laughing in Rob Palenka's face if this is the deal. Yeah, yeah. They're not, you're not getting SGA. Um, you're looking at uh, if the Thunder decided to trade Shea Gilgis Alexander, they would be looking at the Donovan Mitchell trade as the, as the standard. Now, I don't think I don't think they get what unless SGA has a great season this year, and then you know they trade him at the trade deadline or something. But I don't think you get the same package as what the Jazz got for Donovan Mitchell, but I think that's the standard they'll be looking at, and the Lakers aren't going to come anywhere close to that in a in a deal. Yeah, from like, for example, one of the, one of the people I talked to for the Thunder Power Rankings episode on the NBA for an Offer Show's YouTube channel, go check that out. Like, it, it really doesn't seem like we are anywhere near um, a Shea Gilgis-Alexander trade. It feels like, in terms of the timeline, you're at least talking two years away from that. Yeah. From my projection, anyway, I, I don't think we're n- near that stage in the first place. Um, and then, like, you know, Trevor kind of mentioned there, um, they're going to get way much more than this. Yeah. Way, way yeah, more. Agreed. Uh, let's see. Jimmy Charles said, DeRozan, possibly. Chicago's situation is looking shaky. That's possibly something that the Lakers would look to do once you get into the season. But Chicago would have to get to a point where they would say, Okay, this isn't working. This isn't our season. Lonzo's still hurt. Now let's go ahead and make a move. That's part of what gambling and getting into the season and then seeing if something pops up would mean. But yes, DeRozan is certainly someone I would keep an eye on. If the Bulls come out and they're still winning games anyway, then you're not getting them. It requires the Bulls to to stumble in that scenario. I feel so bad for Lonzo. It's rough. Hope he gets better. It's it's definitely rough. Um, all right, we'll do extreme close-up of myself one second while I reset my camera here. There we go. There we go. Got a little blurry for a second. Uh, Captain Chevrolet, it's very difficult to build anything, let alone develop a dynasty turning over the roster every year. We need to find consistency. Agree yeah. 100%. Look at Golden State, man. Like I, I don't want to hype them up at all, but part of the reason why they've been so good is because they've had the same three or four guys for the past eight years. And by those three or four guys, obviously looking at the big three, you're looking at Iguodala for a large portion of that. And then you're looking at uh, Steve Kirby and your head coach for that tenure. And then the Spurs, same thing through their dynasty. So uh, consistency and continuity is so, so huge. You, you've got to have that. You've got to have that. You've got to find the right pieces and then hang on to those pieces. And that's something the Lakers have not done. Um, I think they got spoiled to a degree. The 2019-2020 team came in and had instant chemistry from the get-go, and that is not the norm. That's just not what usually happens with teams, and it's like they were surprised when that didn't happen the season after that or the season after that. You have to have that continuity in order to have that chemistry. What happened in 2019-2020 is so incredibly rare to put together a brand-new team and have everything just click from the moment they step on the floor together. Uh, Ballhog Sports, with Schroeder missing training camp, that's right, he's still dealing with visa issues, has not been able to make it to practice yet. Is it safe to assume this could affect him making the rotation? AD also said none is playing well. He did indeed say that. Uh, Darvin Ham said no. Said that Schroeder, they've been in contact with his coaches in Germany. He's doing everything he, he needs to do in order to stay in shape. 
and he's pretty confident that they can integrate him quickly into the lineup that he's been, he's been playing high level basketball. It's not like he's been sitting around all summer. He was playing in Eurobasket. They know what he's been up to. They feel pretty confident that as soon as these visa issue, issues get cleared up and the Lakers don't sound too concerned about it, um, they'll get they can mix him right in with uh, minimal issues. Do you think Dennis being out has really allowed like a guy like a Sky Pippa Jr. who's been reported to have a great camp so far to you now be able to shine a little bit more because now he's the third guard by default? Just a thought. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure it's given him opportunities that maybe wouldn't have been there uh, had Schroeder been, uh, yeah, been around the entire time. SR37 said, why rush into a trade after surviving summer drama and Braun signed? A trade can be done later. Might not even be Russ. Could be Lonnie. Yeah, I mean, after December 15th, you can move Lonnie. Only one move left. Have to make sure the move is right. Calm. That is what the Lakers are looking at. The Lakers see it as we have one arrow in our quiver. We have one chance at this. We can put these two picks together and make a move. And it has to be the move. This has got to be the move that's going to bring us to be a contender. And they want as much information as possible. They want to see exactly where they are deficient. The only way you do that is by putting the team on the floor. The risk being, though, Sean, this is and this is what fans get upset about. The risk is, you look at the Western Conference, it is brutal. It's going to be unforgiving. If you stumble out of the gates, waiting 15 games, 20 games, whatever it is, to make your move, by that point, it could be too late. That's how tight the race in, race in the West is going to be. Yeah, man, there's 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 nine teams, maybe ten teams battling for eight spots, and you know it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a race to the finish, man. And again, it's gonna be so so fun and covering every game with you, Trev, and the rest of the staff, and on our playback streams and uh, yep. get was it getplayback.com? The links in the description down below for yep. the guys watching on YouTube. Come watch every Lakers regular season, preseason, potential playing and postseason game on playback with us. Yep, going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, Alan says, training camp, every team looks great. Overhyped? Yep, every team. It's like... It's, it's the honeymoon period. That's what this is. Right? Every, every team, Before teams get on the floor, every team is great. Everybody's feeling good. Everybody's got the same record. Every player is going to hit their ceiling and fit into their system in the exact right way. That's just not true. It's not. We see it every year. It's not true. Not every player is going to click. Not every player is going to fit. Not every team is going to hit their ceiling. Things fall apart. The center does not hold. That's what happens here with NBA basketball. And that said, I don't think there's anything wrong with the optimism either. Hell, after last season, we need a little <laughs> bit of optimism. Oh, that's right. As long as it doesn't create unrealistic expectations. Uh, Dustin, if Harkless um, gets bought out, should we go get him? Yeah, I was just traded to, um, to OKC. If he gets bought out, he's a guy that you look at just in terms of needing another wing. I don't know if it's like stampede to the waiver wire to get him, though. Yeah, just the shooting ability isn't there, which is the biggest turnoff and why he's yep. been hopping around the league, especially since those Portland days. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he's available and you can get him on the bio market, but again, the only problem is you'd be paying, you'd be giving him a, a tax, not tax pay, you'd be giving him your better minimum, better your last minimum. spot, but you'd be paying him theoretically like $7 million because of the luxury tax. Yep, that's exactly what would happen. I, I think the Lakers leave that last roster spot open that's that's my guess, but we will see. Eddie said, why do people say the Lakers won't get free agents after LeBron leaves? They've gotten them before. I know the Rambi suck, and so does Rob, but it's still L.A. Am I crazy you know, to think that Rob won't be the GM by the time LeBron leaves? That's possible. That's certainly possible, depending on how things go this season. But, yeah, look, the Lakers will be a free agent destination, but you also have to remember it wasn't that long ago that they couldn't get a meeting with Carmelo Anthony, that they couldn't. Uh, that they had to have a do-over meeting with LaMarcus Aldridge, different front office. But when the Lakers are down, we saw that star-level players will indeed bypass them and go elsewhere. 20 years ago, maybe that doesn't happen. But with social media, with the way things are now, people think, well, I can be a star anywhere. I want to win. 
So I wouldn't count on the Lakers getting the next big star. Although I will say, if all things are equal, if somebody says, I can get the same amount of money and the same opportunity to win, and I can either play in Minnesota in January, or I can be in L.A., yes, there's going to be an advantage with the Lakers, and they are going to go that way. But I'm not going to say that stars are just going to flock to the Lakers simply because it's the Lakers, and that's where you need to go to be in the spotlight. That stuff matters, but it's not enough to make up for having a team that's not ready to win. So it's going to be critical that the Lakers factor that into their decision-making as well. I think, by the way, the home run move, if we find the trade, the home run move is going to be to find the, the deal that helps you now and gives you somebody that can help lead you into that next era as well. It's going to be hard to find that, though. It is. It is. It's very difficult to kill two stones with one bird, as it were. But Chuck Norris can get it done. So maybe the Lakers can, too. All right. Let's wrap things up there. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Those of you who came in live from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. I appreciate all the questions, all the comments. The Lakers have tomorrow off from practice. They'll get back to it after that. And then, of course, Monday. We've got our first game that's right less than a week away. We're counting down. First preseason, preseason game against the Sacramento Kings coming up on Monday. We will be back live for fun Friday, Friday afternoon, 2 o'clock Pacific time. We'll be right here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Hope you join us again. If you're listening over on Apple Podcasts, give us that five-star rating and review. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe.